Hello people, today I'm here with Ponami. We have with us our guest uh, Sneha. Hi Sneha. Hi guys. Hi. We're here finally. It's been a while right since we recorded an episode. Yeah, for me definitely. I've been doing a lot of editing but not a lot of speaking and I have some exciting news. We have had quite a few listeners. Uh, in fact, we've had we've crossed 5,000 plays. So thank you very much for listening to us. Yay! That's great, you guys. Thank you, Sneha. But yeah, thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, we have a lot of fun, you know, just doing these episodes. And we hope you enjoy it too. Okay, so today we are going to talk about sustainability in terms of construction and from an architect's point of view because I'm joined by two architects, Ponami and Sneha. So can you tell us why sustainability is important or even more basic, what do you mean by sustainability in your field? I think Sneha can aptly put this out because to be honest, some people think sustainability as a trend nowadays. So Sneha, why don't you take it up? So, first of all, um, I definitely agree that a lot of people think that sustainability is a trend, but it is so much than just a buzzword right now. And I mean, I know it will probably sound cliche when I say it, that it is definitely something that is needed in our lives right now. So, what is sustainability? To take it to the very basic meaning of it, it I think for me, it means um, staying close to nature and trying to learn from it and respecting it in, you know, whatever capacity you can. So that is what sustainability means to me. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Definitely, I think respecting nature is what we are uh, somewhere lacking these days, I believe, which is a big cause for most of our environmental problems. So why do you think or what do you think are the major problems regarding sustainability? Uh, Do you want me to answer this in terms of architecture or just like a general overview of things? Let's start with a general overview first and then we can go into construction and architecture separately. Because I, I, I feel like since we both, like I, I know the topic well, but Ashwini doesn't. So let's introduce the topic to our listeners and others outside the field, how sustainability can work in daily life and compared to in terms of habits, in terms of buying and selling and consumerism and capitalism and how it can work on the smaller scale compared to the bigger scale. Um, So, I think definitely one of the biggest problems that we are faced with right now is climate change. And there are so many um, smaller things that we as humans and peoples do that affect, uh, that have an effect on the larger scale of things. So, anything that you do in your daily life that, for example, take waste generation. So, if you use a lot of 
plastics in your day to day lives so plastics end up uh, you know polluting our water they end up going into our sewerage system and especially if you've seen in india plastic bags actually create a lot of problem when they are just um, dumped on the roads and seeing the amount of stray animals that are there on street it um, you know really um, affects them because if they ingest those plastic bags it can literally kill them apart from that uh, microplastics they end up going into our oceans and river systems through our uh, sewerage and drainage systems so that is definitely one of um, the bigger things and then of course with the sort of vehicles that we drive and a lot of people don't really have a check on um, their vehicle emissions the sort of carbon emissions that are coming out of their systems so that is also definitely one uh, big contributor towards uh, climate change and a lot of small daily habits that i guess we have can that have actually you know become a part of our habits and lifestyles um and we're probably not even aware of them so a lot of times when we go out to eat we take straws and all of those um disposable cutleries that also uh, ends up adding on to waste generation and it keeps on accumulating i think until we as consumers don't really take account of our own behavior i don't think we'll be able to see much of a difference in that case so that is um i think in a very um small way a general overview of what challenges um we face right now in terms of sustainability yeah i see what you mean i mean these are things that we read in our school textbooks you know try to use public transport instead of taking cars and don't use multiple cars at once etc etc i think at that time when i was a kid maybe it was just beginning to be understood i mean uh, we could we had just started learning that you know these things are impacting the environment and now we can definitely see the impact of these things on the environment i mean this uh, cold wave sneha you were saying that it's pretty chilly in delhi um and recently i was in bombay it was completely hazy i could not probably I, i mean i've never seen bombay this way i was actually very surprised you know and it was also um cold and hot and it was it's still fluctuating i should say a bit extremely the uniformity is kind of going away you know so these are things to be things that are alarming and causing concern so yeah definitely there is a need for sustainability and um the way we say boon boon say sagar banta hai ha drops of water make the ocean yeah so each of us needs to do our part yeah okay so i'm a student okay, let's just start with students okay what can students do in their daily lives because we are poor sad people um <laughs> what can we do uh what can we do to make our living more sustainable 
Oh, I was thinking Sneha remember like since we are working yeah. on the SDME projects and recently yeah. we are posting posts about how we can do a eco-friendly sustainability life in lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could talk to since since we have both worked on it maybe you could introduce that and talk about some posts we have done recently about it. You want me to introduce the project as well? Yeah, sure, go ahead. It's a student-based project, right? Since we're talking about students, it might not be a bad idea. Yeah, that's there. So uh, I've been, I've also been a broke student, so I can definitely relate to um, student experiences. So uh, I'm, me and Polymy are actually working on this project called Tawazun, and it's part of this competition called the Solar Decathlon Middle East. And it's, um, in a nutshell, it is a sustainable smart house. so uh, we're aiming the house to be a net zero energy building and a net zero energy building is basically a building that generates all of the energy it needs to function through renewable sources of energy so um, the main source of energy generation that we are using for building this house is of course energy because the project is based in dubai and there is ample amount of solar energy over there so a big part of um, this project is that we also educate people about sustainability in their daily lifestyles so over the past i think one or two months right polymy we've been um, continuously putting out social media posts related to how people can incorporate little changes into their daily lifestyles and mindsets to sort of um, make small little changes that can help uh, you know make a big overall impact on the planet i think uh, one of the easiest things for me to do um, while i was a student that um, i felt for me helped me make a big impact was just um, carrying a reusable water bottle and i mean i still do that i always even at home i have um, my one steady water bottle with me and that's um, you know all i need it's a travel companion it's an exam companion whatever but that is uh, one of the most basic steps that i think um, can make a huge difference for uh, difference for students have uh, a reusable water bottle with you and then um, second one could be if your budget allows you can carry a mug with you wherever you go and i think these days it is definitely becoming more common place to see people carrying their own mugs uh, while i was working last year i used to carry my own mug to the office and uh, people in my office were not used to seeing that but uh, i think some of them hopefully learned something from me or or one could also uh, you know keep an extra mug in their office or workplace yeah. in their drawer yeah. instead of uh, transporting it i think places like dubai also sell you know travel size cutlery items so i've mm-hmm. seen people bring mm-hmm. that to with a steel stainless steel straw mm-hmm. and steel yeah fork yeah. and spoons it's quite common here to see steel people bring their own spoons. yeah uh-huh. and i think you can find all of these things very easily in um, miniso 
Miniso day to day early in Dubai yeah 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 we have we have we have these kind of stores in Dubai that let you have your own stuff at a very mm-hmm. reasonable price so that's fun and uh, i i've seen a lot of supermarkets here reduce the number of plastic bags they give and they all have their own eco friendly yeah. bags now so if you use those bag they give you some discount too so that's also yeah, nice that's also yeah i think in india a lot of grocery stores a few years ago stopped selling plastic bags or actually started charging you for plastic bags mm-hmm. and um, so people started getting their own bags yeah definitely i've seen that in the grocery stores that are uh, near my house also and even um, local kirana stores in india i've seen them doing this now which is definitely commendable yes shout out to our local kirana store which is not using plastic anymore thank you so much for your contribution yeah. and also we have a few posts on natural cleaners mm-hmm. like to avoid having chemical cleaners in your house we can do your own all purpose cleaners wood cleaners counter sprays and toilet cleaner bombs we spoken about that on a few of our posts so you can check those out or can add it to the link i think we we did speak about composting too um, that was when we were doing our uh, i think um, waste re you see it that was a big part of that how you can um, how you can use um, your kitchen waste to uh, create compost at home or even if you have a big community you can make like a community composting garden i've seen this happen in a lot of countries um, in europe and even in the us i think this has become a practice now which is really cool kind of see how people are uniting over this cause of sustainability and trying to you know give their own little unique contribution to it so what is a community composting garden so let's say you live in a small community you know um, or how in india you would call it a colony i think and maybe let's say as part of that colony you have a little garden or a park that you know a lot of people from that community use so you can take an initiative and gather a couple of people and uh, reuse your kitchen waste and uh, make a composting bin in that common um, garden or park whatever you want to call it so th- that's basically it so uh, basically a composting bin will be stuff like the green stuff the veggies that you have brown stuff that is dry leaves eggshells mm-hmm. coffee beans boxes and you shouldn't put milk products yeah. or meat wastes or you know oil into it and there's always yeah. a ratio of the greens to browns that's like 2 is to 1 and and you should be knowledgeable enough to understand as in this if you put too much green it becomes very smelly if you put too much brown it won't compost well and you should roll it around every week so it's a process but it is it at the end of the process you mm-hmm. get golden sand which is very fertile and doesn't harm your soil or the plants growing yeah. in it compared to fertilizers and chemical mm-hmm. fertilizers that give out diseases it's actually very beneficial um for soil whatever compost that we make out of kitchen waste and scraps and it's usually rich in a lot of nutrients like nitrogen phosphorus potassium 
know all of those things are very good for your soil Mm, so one could have a small mini farm yeah, yeah yeah exactly so we have seen it happening a lot in india what we have learned about the post also most of it came from the associations in india on instagram the people do lives and explain how these things are done how the processes take time and how the products come out beautifully so that's another inspiration for us that we can do daily for sure yeah most definitely I mean we do at least in my colony in Bombay we do segregate our waste into food waste and non food waste so it's not uh, too far from doing what we need to do to get a garden yeah but you know countries like i think south korea they they charge you for disposing your waste so like for example i i cannot simply just throw out my old phone i have to get a sticker from the municipality I have to write how heavy my phone is like when how old it is and then pay to get it recycled because it's a waste yeah and if i'm throwing a sofa out i have to get a bigger permit and i have to pay more for them to recycle it and pick it up from me oh wow yeah but i mean if if they are imposing such fines then they should i mean the government should also be taking steps to make sure that people don't have to yeah yeah throw out a lot of stuff Yeah. So that's why you would think twice before buying yeah. anything yeah. because you can't just throw it out simply. Mm. Right? Yeah. And yeah. also they create a culture of reselling and saving money. You know? Uh, also another thing they tend to do mm-hmm. is always separate their waste of plastic wood and boxes and everything separately. And if you don't, the community leaders itself like find you that if you don't crush your cans before putting them in the trash, it's a fine. Yeah, that's a very important point you've made mm-hmm. there. That it does not uh, start at you know throwing out the things that you have, but it actually starts at uh, buying what you buy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it, you don't take in more than you can. And I think our Asian communities are very mm-hmm. good at that. You know, how many of us yeah. have had like the sinks below the sink? There will be a co- corner in our houses where there'll be like plastic bags kept over there. So you never have to go out and buy garbage bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. God. Yeah. <laughs> my my mom my mom still does that sometimes when uh, if you know we do still get Amazon deliveries in those big uh, plastic bags. She. ends up you know um, saving them up so that they can be used as trash uh, trash bags sometimes yeah to for sure to be honest i'm running out of space to keep plastic bags in my room <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i i saw some really um, nice art in different places you know which was made using all the plastic stuff people throw out like bottles and all especially at bombay airport they have some amazing art and uh, yeah that's another nice way to to use up all this extra waste bombay not bombay anymore we don't call it we don't call it nice dairy wash I'm going to call it Bombay. We're not colonized anymore. Sorry, Bombay is like the typical Maharashtrian Marathi way of saying it. Uh, it's going in UK does not change you, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think it's uh, it's that. It's my love for my city. 
that's a few of the things we can do to stuff at home like composting and you know being careful about what you buy and how you throw out things okay let's move on to the construction industry and how one can be sustainable in the construction industry? I think it starts with design, right? And then goes to construction. Mm-hmm, definitely. Where, where do you think, like, I think we have started learning about sustainability in the last year of college, where we started learning about sustainable urban design. Yeah, I think we actually started learning about the basics of environmental design in second or third semester you remember when we had classes for um, climatic design and environmental science so i think that's where we really started from this is where i think we first started to uh, question ourselves as designers and also of course our teachers how can architecture or design or construction really think about sustainability and what it is that we can do as architecture students so that we can be more um, eco-friendly as designers right Paul? Yeah I think that's correct also I think we questioned like how can architecture be sustainable in the first place because whenever we construct or we design we put pavement over the roads we stop the you know we stop the soil from sweeping in water itself by modernizing it we're destroying nature so then how can architecture actually be sustainable definitely and um, I think in for me at least the way i see it in the design and construction industry i would say that sustainability is a two approach so the first would definitely be uh, going back to basics and thinking about that um, we have a lot of indigenous communities all around the world in so many different countries that respect with and they build with nature so basically making use of whatever materials they find around them to build their habitats and communities so for example um, i think vietnam has a big culture of bamboo construction because that is a resource that is readily available over there. And then, of course, um, we know uh, Eskimos and igloos. That is because, um, you know, uh, ice is the most abundant resource available over there. And then in rural India, you see a lot of uh, buildings being made with mud and bricks and a lot of earth-related materials used for construction. Um, So that is the first approach. Yeah. That's staying true to, uh, so what you're saying is staying true to the local materials and the local lands and the local people. But that's indigenous people. Yeah. If you're comparing it to us, modernized people. And which is what I'm coming to next. So because uh, we are living in the technological era, so the second, second sorry, approach um, to uh, sustainability for the design and construction industry would be making use of the technology that is available to us to, you know, um, make the best use out of it to design solutions that respect the earths and the resources and to really be able to get 
as much out of the resources that we already have and not you know try to uh, deplete those resources that is at least uh, my view so how would you go about doing i mean i i can see a connect between the two things that you were talking about in the sense that uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know if you if you use local produce and mm-hmm. you are saving on packaging cost and uh, packaging expense environmentally speaking uh, and transporting expense which is pretty high yeah okay so so that is one thing one can do mm-hmm. what else can be done so uh, you can also use technology available to us right like i was um, mentioning and um, there are a lot of projects in the world right now that are making great use of technology to make buildings more energy efficient more water efficient there are technologies that are integrated into buildings so that waste can be managed more um, efficiently in the buildings or if it wasn't previously you know segregated properly it is now getting segregated using these technologies so i think going forward um, it would be very important to sort of be able to merge um, local production and technology and try to create solutions out of that I think you can explain how we do that. So before even designing a building, we figure out where the prevailing winds are coming from. So we could figure out where the windows of the building should be, how where the wind and the sun is the highest during the days. So we do a site analysis before designing a building in an empty plot. Going back to the basics, right? Then when we focus on the materials we can use for construction, design the place around it. Like for example, I think Sneha, if you remember, we went to a place called Mazdar over here in mm-hmm. UAE. Yeah. Right. And it was built in such a way that in the middle of summer, that place was cool and it was windy. Yeah. And Dubai yeah. summers are really hot. Yes. It was built in such a way that if there was a flood there, there were indentations in the road in the pathways that could drain the water in a way that it wouldn't flood the area because UAE is known for flooding because of its lack of a proper drainage system because before the climate crisis it was a complete desert so places like that where we use basic methods Hmm. of designing is what we want to focus more on and obviously when you think about the why and skyscrapers you think okay not sustainable at all and we agree to that right that skyscrapers yeah. are not a sustainable area or genre of buildings building definitely and i think we were focusing more on yeah yeah i think we were focusing more on that and how we can make even the skyscrapers more efficient and that's where i think lead design comes in lead is a what can we say it's a certification of a building and you get certified as a lead building if you pass through certain amount of points so they will see your consumption energy water wastage the amount of solar panels you have how much you're on the grid and off the grid in terms of electricity exactly etc so that's i think certifications like that kind of help all the existing buildings be more sustainable what do you think yeah i think um lead definitely helps and um there are a lot of other 
certifications like this in um, the world there is also briam which is similar to what lead is and that's a system of uh, so lead is basically a system of green building certification and um, they have a set criteria that you need to follow to be able to get that lead certification so briam is also another green building certification that is widely used in the americas and there is recently because of the um, covid-19 pandemic the focus also shifted on indoor health and well-being and human well-being so this system of um, well which relates to how the indoor environment of a building can affect human health was um, portrayed in uh, in well so i think these sort of certifications are definitely going to take us in the right direction in terms of being able to apply more sustainable solutions to um, architecture and construction i see yeah that makes a lot of sense uh, and i had sorry this is a silly question but you know we always need somebody to ask silly questions so polymy you spoke about how uh, these days you go and you see where the wind is coming from and uh, how the you know the highest position of the sun and all uh, does a single person sit throughout the day and see this <laughs> oh so cute so cute <laughs> I wish but I think all of us are slightly lazy to do that. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> we usually use softwares for that. <laughs> we usually use softwares to do that. We have thankfully we have softwares that help us do that now. <laughs> Otherwise I think the situation would have been something like that. Yeah yeah just remind me remember remind me what software we used before. Because I, uh, I actually <laughs> there were actually quite a few. I think there was Ecotech by Autodesk for once. Yeah. And I think we can even even use Revit for that now. That's very interesting. This is where um, the software uh, technology comes into play too. Or you just go on Google Maps, see where the north is, then you figure out where the east and west is, and see how the winds prevail. And you check the area location and check where how the winds are in that area and how the temperature and the climate is in that area throughout the year. Yeah, that also. I mean, so you also need a bit of knowledge about um, yeah. geography, and um, I don't know how to put this. Right, yeah. You know, uh, I can't believe I'm an architect and I get lost all the time. Yeah. <laughs> One would think that you would know how to use Google Maps <laughs> now that you use it. <laughs> exactly. I I don't know how I always get lost. Okay. Don't worry people, you can still stay in buildings made by Bonami. They are safe. <laughs> I think slowly we've come from being sustainable from our own homes to buildings. So I think we can slowly go to cities and urbanization of sustainable cities. 
Yeah, um, sorry, just one thing I want to point out here is um, even though, you know, you're saying that this is something that is uh, rather modern that is being taken into account, one would think that this is something that, you know, would have been done naturally because uh, historically speaking, this is how houses were made, you know. Um, say in really old times, you would look at the sun position of, for example, what was that building we went to see, Polomi in Delhi, which has the, the sun dial. Jantar Mantar. Jantar Mantar. Jantar Mantar. Yeah, yeah, we went to Jantar Yeah, so, you know, uh, it does seem like we are kind of reverting back and, uh, you know, you're saying that skyscrapers are not sustainable. At one point of time, skyscrapers would be considered uh, sort of the pinnacle of uh, human technology. But um, as you can see, it's not very natural or sustainable. And we are kind of reverting back to things that uh, has been given to us, so to say. Sorry for going into this completely nonsensical philosophy. Please go ahead. yeah, you all were speaking about um, cities and urban planning. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, I was asking about that. Yeah, to Sneha. I think since we spoke about building a sustainable building, mm-hmm. I feel like talking about current buildings that are already there and how to make city life more sustainable. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Mm, so, I think retrofitting older buildings is definitely uh, with more sustainable systems is definitely one of the ways to go but you also need to consider whether um, building a completely new building in its place would be more cost efficient or retrofitting um, building older building would be more cost efficient and uh, I think um, your LEED certifications or any of the other green building certifications definitely cover points for retrofitting as well, which is also, I think, a great initiative for already existing buildings to be, um, um, to start, so to, so to speak, to start their journey towards being more sustainable. And yeah, I think um, that's what I feel about um, what existing buildings can do. Apart from also the fact that the people using these buildings, um, you know, they try to be mindful of whatever resources like water or energy they are consuming while they're utilizing that building. Do you have anything to add, Paul? That's a good point. I'm actually happy, actually happy that US entered the Paris Climate Change Agreement again today, since Biden got elected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. That that made today a good yeah. day. Since Orange, let's not speak the name. Since Orange decided to leave WHO, let's not speak about WHO that. as well as the Paris Agreement a few years ago. I'm glad that the country is back on track. Now, mm-hmm. retrofitting actually means that, okay, so for example, instead of demolishing and creating a whole new foundation for a new building and digging deeper for the new building, because the higher the building, the more you dig down below the ground, right? So instead of demolishing, what we can do is refurbish the building, leave the skeleton or the foundation in, 
reduce the costs and reduce the construction costs as well and use what is already there of the old building because con- concrete buildings can la- last up to 100 years but as per government guidelines buildings need to be demolished and remade every 50 years or so even though it's not necessary you know since the wear and tear goes down so instead of destroying a whole new building and creating glass towers again instead of concrete buildings what is more sustainable is reusing or refabbing or retrofitting or adaptive reuse of the same building mm-hmm. that's what we meant by retrofitting is that clear ashwini yeah yeah thank you so much yeah i yeah sorry i just had a related but completely unrelated story so i have a a tendency to dance while taking a shower and we have a bathtub over here um and the previous uh, like maybe two days ago my flatmate messaged me saying that look this building is old and i looked into the stuff that is beneath the bathtub it's basically some wooden planks holding it so please don't dance in the shower <laughs> oh that's funny at least you get a new bathtub if it breaks yeah <laughs> yeah i mean nobody really cares about me actually falling down one floor but yeah a, a new bathtub would be great you wouldn't fall don't worry <laughs> Since we're talking about construction, I was like, okay, at least you'll get a new bathtub, which will not be under yeah. wooden stuff anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah, so speaking about, uh, about uh, urban planning, uh, there is a lot of new construction that is taking place. And uh, one big aspect of uh, cities is that you have a certain area dedicated to industrial work and offices. um okay another really silly question given that we are now used to this work from home pattern um why do we need new buildings why, would it be more sustainable to maybe just you know make a room uh, an additional study room in houses which can be used as a workplace instead of uh, building new offices you know because a lot of us are because a lot of us are are doing you know software work which can be done over the laptop instead of actually going to an office that's a very good question and i wasn't prepared for it really uh, actually i saw a few articles that said that working yeah. from home might not cut energy use as much as you were hoping for because your energy bill is paid by you not by your company mm-hmm. right when you're at workplaces the energy bills are paid by the company True. so your your energy use might be higher compared comparatively and they're saying that saving energy while working from home might not be there because the transportation probably is where you're saving up but can also mean that you're using more mm-hmm. energy of the building. Uh transportation is being saved up yes but then say you completely abandon the building then you need not construct any more buildings. Would that cost um, would the cost of sa- saving up on a building kind of uh, balance the the cost the energy cost? I mean that depends on so many things. 
does the company own it or is it renting it mm-hmm. and and if it's renting it then the building owners losing money but at the same time yeah but at the same time if that's the case then if this is the case and a lot of buildings are empty then they wouldn't construct anymore the construction industry has already taken a big hit from all of this and people are homeless now because of increase or decrease in rent or joblessness or unless they are ready to give that empty spaces to homeless people which they aren't right now i mean i've seen news homeless yeah people, i've yeah. seen news in New York and I've seen news in Japan that the increase in suicide rate as well as increase in homelessness has increased by at least 25% from the last year. So having more space because of empty offices does not mean that the welfare of the people are in a better state. Mhm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean I guess my question was a bit more theoretical and uh, fictional rather. Uh, because it would involve kind of dismantling a bit of the construction industry, and so the people who are currently working in it would then be transferred to working in some other industry. But yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. In the current situation, definitely, it's not a good idea. And there have been a lot of debates about if architecture as an industry can do work from home. And from what I've seen from my colleagues and my friends, it's a big no. People don't let architects. Like ninety percent of my friends are all going back to the office. Only ten percent are letting them work in their houses, giving out projects. Because team meetings are tougher, and it's harder to, you know, because we draw a lot, we print a lot. <laughs> Can't do any of that. and of course yeah it can it can get hard to coordinate i would say like as in your experience neha how has it been like working from home mentally for you and then comparing to workflow and how work works over there i think it's first of all a very different experience and i agree to the fact that it can get very hard to coordinate uh, all of the constant um, design changes and drawing changes that we have to go through uh, while we're at home and because especially when you're in an office environment um, you continuously keep printing the things out and you know you're scribbling on them to make changes and to from that to moving to doing that over a screen uh, is to speak very very difficult It's a very uh, difficult transition. At least it was for me. And would you would you choose it? And a lot of my colleagues also. If they gave you an option. Uh I mean if in the longer run I am if I'm saving up on that transportation cost and transportation time which in a lot of cases can be you know um, very uh, very long. or uh, the cost can be very high then i would definitely go for um, a work from home scenario over the normal office scenario and compared to that ashmani how has teaching and learning been in the virtual environment i mean i'm somebody who kind of hates stepping outside my room so i'm pretty happy with it but um yeah of course there are things that are difficult to do for example you know now we are given um ipads or graphic um graphic tablets where you can draw because i teach math and we have special symbols etc so we really need whiteboard or a board 
you know so to say i don't think it affects me much personally but uh, i definitely think there is an adverse effect on the students because they're completely missing out on the collaborative work that they would normally do you know sitting in a library i mean polymy <laughs> you would know this because polymy and i we studied together in our 11th and 12th and i think it was really important for both of us to sit together and work you yeah. know because you're you're kind of uh, enforcing work on each other but also if you're stuck somewhere someone else will help you and so on and so forth you know so that entire experience of building friendships of uh, you know going down for a for a cup of tea together or something like that yeah, yeah. all of that is completely gone yeah so obviously i was when i asked that question i was completely overriding um, all the concerns we might have about the mental health mm-hmm. aspect of this thing i mean it's extremely important i think to distinguish between your work life and your personal life you know going to physically going to the office a ensures that you actually step out of the house which is very necessary um and also b you kind of mentally keep these as two different compartments of your life you know which is also kind of necessary yeah i think that's true um but yeah honestly i don't think it made I don't think it made much of a difference to me personally but that's just me. <laughs> no, I think the mental um, aspect of it is also very important um, to think about. Yeah, definitely, especially you know, Polmy mentioned that uh, suicide rates have grown by over 25%. That's not a yeah. small number um, and we do need to take that into account. Yeah. Um so back to urban design and urban cities and sustainable living. I feel like on urban level you need students as well as companies who are working on urban projects to take the lead as well as the country government itself because once the cuz for example over here in Dubai for the last few years I think all the cycle tracks which were on the high end side side of the city were all for example for i think 20 dirhams per hour but because of i don't know for what the recession or something they did 20 dirhams per day and now we have all seen a surge in cycling tracks all around the way so do such initiatives throughout the city maybe cycling tracks would be more like i think we were you there on the trip to berlin sneha where there was a cycle track in every single street and district mm-hmm. no i wasn't i think we mapped it up and we explained also how surprised we were and we were we were nearly ran over by the cyclists because they were so annoyed that the tourists were walking on the cycling <laughs> track <laughs> i mean i think even london has that right ashwini oh i don't think london is a good example for cycling tracks because uh, <laughs> i was in vancouver for my masters in canada and this city is has been constructed it's it's a pretty modern construction and the thing you are saying about berlin having uh, so many cycling tracks you would definitely see that in vancouver um and they have it they have it really well it's planned out really well even if you go to parks um you know they have a special cycling track in the parks it's 
really beautiful and uh, very well designed and i don't think london matches up to the standards in any way sorry london <laughs> <laughs> like we talk about like community spaces and green spaces but places where few and your friends can meet up together quickly but as it was more since the virus and as was well developed we would say we would go for coffee shops and malls but rarely we would go to parks even though we would want to since we lived quite far apart right i think compared to that mumbai had way too many parks and spaces to meet so uh, when it comes to uh, community spaces i um, a lot of these in delhi have these small little community halls where people from the colony can come together have events and just you know um play games and hang out and that is again i think very important to be able to sort of identify yourself with the people that you live with and again coming um around to this aspect of um, mental health and you know how important it is to have people around you so i think um, that kind of ties in with that as well yeah definitely i think this is one reason why religion plays such an important role in people's lives because uh, it gives you a sense of community and you know you, you go to a temple or a mosque and you sit with people do some activity which is completely unrelated to work so yeah i, I see what you mean definitely having parks help with that like all cities were built around a temple or a palace so the high point would be temple like in jaipur yeah. where there were jain temples on the top and the city was built around it the community spaces need to be around something or you have uh, you have university villages where a small village is built around the university to support the students yeah exactly mm-hmm. so having a good community or a good urban space would be having all the necessities within like 10 or 15 minutes away from you from your focal point so wherever i live i need to have hospital schools as well as a community park in my area which i would say is well developed because my area has a park park have three four hospitals good amount of groceries and restaurants as well as schools pond park sorry did you say a pond park <laughs> yeah a pond park there are <laughs> pond parks park. over here yeah so there's a recycling <laughs> yeah 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 so not pond pond <laughs> like a lake pond <laughs> look who's getting an accent and blaming me <laughs> i have a cold speaking of urban planning uh, so apparently the building that i live in uh the energy our electricity is generated using nuclear power oh wow you cool yeah very fancy <laughs> and yet i have wooden planks under my bathtub ironic that is so ironic um but yeah so we spoke about you know the domestic home aspect of it what about the tech industry or just industry in general yeah industry in general as in can you like uh, maybe make it a little bit more specific uh, i mean what sort of modifications or what sort of things do you see uh, that can be done which are different for 
because I believe construction and the entire outlook of uh, an industrial sort of building, like you have offices and you have industrial sites, how would that be different from your uh, home buildings? Uh, we can say good part being electric cars, of technical tech industry, and bad part being the fact that iPhone and Samsung give out phones every six months. Oh, okay. You know, electrical um, based or te- technical based, technology based. Yeah. Okay. That way. And capitalism coming in and throwing it at our face of not having the newest phone or the newest camera or the newest laptop. I mean, come on. This is. Capitalism is, after all, a, a human-made concept, and yeah. it sells because, because it sells yeah, exactly. because people want it. It's not in my control the fact that my phone doesn't work well after a year after the new phone is out. You know? And that relates us to marketing and how companies sort of try to uh, appeal to the consumers that you know uh, uh, the old model is not working so now you have to buy the newer one that's also just um, sort of playing mind tricks on us as consumers true i mean that's not sustainable in the first place why can't the government take control of that and be like hey you can't give out more than one model every two years make it a better quality or make it a better long-lasting software that's also because the government yeah that's oh. or i can't they themselves be like we will be more climate efficient <laughs> I think that also includes the part where governments also sort of have their own vested interests in all of these industries. And because obviously when you're setting up an industry in a certain country, you have to pay the government, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So that also, I think, definitely plays a part in that. And I mean, just the way, like you said, the construction industry will collapse if uh, and people will suffer. They are suffering due to this uh, uh, due to COVID, similarly, the tech industry will mm-hmm. suffer. Majorly, majorly yeah. suffer. If you tech don't industry come up is with, one place that hasn't suffered during COVID, because people are buying better laptops and better things, so they can connect more efficiently with each other. Exactly, years. exactly. As the one place that hasn't crashed and still exactly. during the pandemic, yeah. they're they're bringing out new, new phones, new apps. That's the point. <laughs> new phones, new apps. That's precisely the point, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean if you see the sustainability factor in it at all. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is that if you were to tell, if the government were to say something like produce only these many phones a year, then it's going to affect jobs and people. Yeah. Uh, then they can actually come up with something better than just one better feature or two better features or thinner or a foldable phones, you know. I think they, they're trying to do that. I mean, the, the market is genuinely flooded with uh, such yeah. stuff. The whole point is like back, olden phones didn't break easily. They did not. They had a longer longevity in terms of their life cycles. Right now, what they're doing is they just want to sell more, so they're bringing out cheaper options and because of that not only is the capitalism part being affected it's also affecting people's space stage I, I feel like I could see imagine the movie Wally going in my head where he's trying to put the tape in his uh, on his, in his yeah. tape recorder thing and play it <laughs> <laughs> like that would be fun 
can we bring cassette tapes back to vintage maybe i mean yeah. i remember those old nokia phones now and i think the one that my dad had it lasted for almost 10 or 11 years before we actually shifted to any of these newer uh, smartphones so called smartphones exactly and if you know that the quality is better you will spend that much more yeah uh, i was just asking if you guys can give me an example of an existing sustainable structure and bonus points if it is a historical structure oh okay really i have to think for this one i definitely i can give you examples of um, recent structures with older ones um so i'm not quite sure about whether this would be considered as sustainable but uh, a lot of these old um, castles um, or these palaces that you see in rajasthan especially they make use of um, you know natural sources like um sunlight and natural ventilation on site really well uh, especially if you uh, take the example of the hawa mahal in jaipur uh, it is uh, mm-hmm. the facade of it the uh, if you've seen pictures of it you see the jali work the red jali work i am not quite sure how else to explain it those are i think uh, windows that have been designed in a way that let the natural ventilation or the air flow or that is around the building go into deep and go deep into the you know interior spaces to try to sort of naturally ventilate all of them yeah so i think that is one very good example um i'm not quite sure if it would be considered sustainable in the terms that we have been talking about today but i think it is definitely a good example of how you can use um, design to sort of use the already existing natural resources to your advantage in a building mm-hmm. i see okay thank you sneha uh, so i have one last question which is regarding the future and feel free to run wild with your imagination okay um, <laughs> what would you uh what do each of you i mean how do you see uh, cities in the future or take any space you like uh how do you visualize it say about 50 years from now paul you want to go first Oh this 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 question reminds me of Mustard and there was an electric car there it, it legit looks up the out of a movie yeah yeah that? oh my god it it looked like a a UFO taking us from one point in Mustard at the start to the end and it was completely electric and and um, i mean yeah drive it you think about it in futuristic terms it looks very very cool like like one of those electric pod things that um, people visualize about that it looked exactly like that yeah and that city is going to be a whole city full of sustainable composting as well as eco friendly houses and buildings there and we visited a villa that was made there and they told us that the temperature of the whole area was 3 degrees below the outside area i think it was barari also i think yeah. we went to albarari is called albarari mm-hmm. in dubai 
assuming living in such a society or community was amazing yeah definitely mm-hmm. i'm hoping that everyone takes the sustainability aspect of construction very very seriously and take care of what kind of buildings are being made so that the future is better especially considering the fact that we don't have a lot of time before we can reverse the change of global warming uh, not yeah not right? just um, take care of what kind of buildings they build but also take care of what they already have and um, try to get as much use out of it as possible right now yeah yeah makes sense and of course try to change habits yes, definitely <laughs> okay but again none of you answered my question oh but i thought the master thing happened oh, yeah we all hope for a better or a greener city yeah yeah it, it, we expect we expect the cities to be more green and friendly and actually for me it would be electric cars and more public transport as well as less cars yeah. on the road that would be nice more electric Definitely. Uh, more more um, spaces for people to walk and um, um, maybe if you know uh, working from offices resumes in the future then uh, making that commute for people <laughs> slightly easier than what it is right now definitely Yeah, I love I love Sneha how you're saying if working from offices ever resumes. <laughs> like you completely lost all hope. I mean, yeah, we, we don't, don't have, have any hope yet, yeah. right do we? And I don't even think if it actually did um ended up happening. Uh I am kind of used to this lifestyle now. It'll be hard so hard to go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. also like countries like sweden and i think norway decided to go completely mm-hmm. carbon free go sorry coal free and they're not using any emissions or anything i mean they're planning not to post 2025 so if countries decide to do that and stop the emissions then they can go 90% electric too in terms of their mm-hmm. vehicles obviously electricity is also Uh, you know they are spending on that too but that's comparatively lesser compared to coal yeah. and petroleum so i think another point another so yeah, yeah. focusing another more on that another point i'll add um, considering what you just said paul is that i would definitely want uh, future cities to be more uh, renewable energy friendly and to be powered by more sources of renewable energy like um, solar energy or maybe water energy That'll be really cool to see. Although I'm not a big fan of nuclear energy, though, because I'm scared of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a double-edged yeah. sword. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out ways to use nuclear energy to, you know, sustain electric energy to in the longer run. I guess. Yeah. Let's hope it works. Hopefully it does. and in a way that is non destructive well thank you so much sneha and polmi i have personally learned a lot and i have enjoyed this conversation too uh, and i hope you did too yes <laughs> yep yep okay clearly polmi you enjoyed it <laughs> absolutely definitely did
<laughs> All right. So thank you so much and we'll see you another time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Bye.